When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Well, hello there. Chris Evans here with the latest instalment of the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, the musical genius of Noel Gallagher celebrating a decade of his high-flying birds with new music and the greatest hits album, Back the Way We Came, Volume 1. The massive mind of Matt Ridley turns the pages of his ingenious new book, How Innovation Works. Funny man and gorgeous all-round bloke Ed Gamble gets us chuckling with news of his enormous upcoming UK stand-up tour, Electric. And former Royal Ballet principal, Dame Darcy bustle waxes lyrical about the British Ballet Charity Gala. All of that and so much more to come. Now, Dapper Dave, who's our first guest? For the last 10 years, his high-flying birds have been soaring, so it's time for some reflection. The new Greatest Hits album, Back the Way We Came, Volume 1, is out now. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for some Noel Holds Barred views on the world with the one and only Noel Gallagher! Morning, Noel. Hello. Hello. How are you? Well, if we're having no Holds Barred views on the world from you, Noel, first of all, I like your theory on why Chris isn't here today. Well, he's got form for blagging it, hasn't he? It's not the first time he's phoned in sick, is it? I just said to Noel off He'll be sat in his garage within his, in his underpants, bibbing the car on, hasn't he? <laughs> bib, bib. bib, bib. Room, room. It's a, um, it's yeah. a miracle we, we've got you, to be fair, after what you told us about Thursday nights. Well, it didn't go too well last Friday morning. Um, but yeah, Thursday night, it's a big night out for me, so my management keep booking stuff on a Friday. I'm like, well, well you know, there's, it's, it's a gamble whether I'm going to be here or not. But I, I'm here today because I pulled one, I had to dial one in last Friday morning. Because I mean, they go out, right, mm. and I accidentally swallow a load of ha- alcohol. Mm. It can happen. And then the next thing, it it's happen. like half ten in the morning. Yeah, what time did you get in, what time did you get in this morning? It wasn't bad last night. It's kind of left at midnight and then, but you, know, you have to have a wind down when you get in. Of course you do. So I got to bed about two. About two, up at six and in here. For, well, thank you, thank you for up coming here, buddy. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. But I was celebrating last night because I think my album's at number one, so. Is it number one? So yeah, That's what I was here, be, here we go, here we go. Better I'd be, I was celebrating last night. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was chatting to Vass earlier on about, I said we got we got Nolan this morning because I didn't find out until last night. But Chris's son has got has got has tested positive for COVID. That's why Chris isn't here. All right, um, so he's not singing. He might be singing in his garage, right. honking his car horn, but he that's is. why he's not officially here. He is. So I only found out at eight o'clock last night that I was covering for Chris and and having you on the show. So I said to Vass, Vass, what, what, what do we start with? No, what do we start? He said we can start with whatever you want. And so you got you. So I watched this, this documentary uh, last night and. You and you say of lockdown that you it was great for for, for, for your creative side because it gave you a lot, a lot more time than, than yeah. usual to me personally I just finished off all the songs which I would ordinarily have just moved on to something else so so you often will start a single or you start writing something and you'll and you'll be happy with it but then you get halfway through and think oh I'll move on to the next no, one no it's now. not I don't I, I, I rarely finish a song off all in one go and the ones that you do finish off all at once are usually the big ones because they kind of they just fall out of you and they come they're coming from somewhere else. I'd say ninety percent of the songs that I write, I'll do a, I'll get a, I'll have half a verse and half a chorus and then I'll just leave it and keep coming back to it. And how different is it writing songs now for your high flying birds than Oasis? In Oasis, you're writing for someone else to sing who's got a different voice yeah. and a different 
characteristics. What I do now is completely different. You know, I'm writing for my voice and my style, and I'm in a multicultural, multisexual band. I almost like Fleetwood Mac mm. without the hits. That's exactly, <laughs> you had, that's exactly the thought I had yesterday. Yeah. Exactly the thought I had yesterday. Yeah. So what, how, how does your, because obviously you've written some of the greatest songs ever made, how does that mindset begin? Do you sit down and have a thought about something or a thought about someone or a thought about an emotion and then how does that well, start? Well, my songwriting started, you know, writing about girls, right? And I wasn't in a band. I was just I'd learning to play the guitar. When, it, when I joined Oasis... I wasn't writing the songs exclusively then. Bonehead and Liam had written most of the songs for that first maybe six months I was in the band. And then I wrote a couple of things and they were all right. And then one night I went to bed, you know, just thinking in a little band, it's good. And I woke up the next day and wrote Live Forever and all hell broke loose. <laughs> and it, and it, it was literally like that. It was I went to bed one night uh, as like a little scruffy indie kid and woke up the next day and wrote Live Forever and every song I wrote from that point up until 98, 99 became world famous and a classic. But yeah, it's a, it's a funny thing to try and explain to anyone where it comes from and how you do it because it's just, a, it's, just a, it's a gift that you have, you know what I mean? I have no idea. I mean, you know, I have no recollection of writing Don't Look Back in Anger at all other than the fact that I woke up one morning and there were the words on a piece of paper. It's mad. That, how does that happen? Yeah. So your brain well, well, it works. Very in, well, yeah. you get smashed the night before <laughs> yeah, yeah. at a strip club in Paris. But that what uh, that means? <laughs> but what that means is your smashed brain still writes phenomenal lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In theory, Vassos Noel won't really like you as a person when he when he knows what I'm about to tell you because Vassos is not is not a lyrical person. No, I don't care about the words. They're you don't care about the words. No, it's all about the melody for me and the tune. I'm with him. Are you serious? Yeah. I like the words. We've just been—we spent the last twenty minutes talking about your yeah, songwriting. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but to, to me, when I'm listening to music, I don't, couldn't give a monkey's what they're singing about. I can't be singing about your dog or your mum. I don't care <laughs> if the tune, if the yeah, tune's but, good. But you're a songwriter. This is what. So surely well, then you, you see- should take my word for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair enough. Well, I'm really, I'm really surprised. No, I don't at that. care about the words. You know, look at all those great rock and roll tunes from the fifties. The words are nonsense. Yeah, that's true. Wap up a looper, blop blop. Come on. So the guy called Mitch Keys Instagram messaged me last night. It said, is, is there a song that you're surprised that it received the hype that it did? I wonder what, that's the, the global calling card for Oasis. And uh, I remember at the time going, really? You know, and then like, are we going to do this live? You know, um, but yeah, Wonderwall is known by cab drivers all over Lagos. Why do you think it did as well as it did? I've no idea. I still don't know. I couldn't tell you. You were on the Bee Gees documentary. Have you seen that? Well, yeah, you've seen yeah, it. It's amazing. great, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I love the Bee Gees. What an amazing yeah, documentary that is. Staggering songwriters. I like amazing tunes. Really amazing tunes. I was, I met Barry at Glastonbury a few years back, and it was kind of, uh, yeah, I, I love him. It's a it's a fabulous document. I can't remember what it's called, but you can find it. It's, it's called How Do You Mend a Broken Heart. It is. That's, yeah. All right. And your documentary that I watched last night, which you've just reminded me, and I've written it down somewhere. Out of the now. Out of the now. Thank you. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Yeah. Uh, listen, we could talk to you for hours. Thank you very much, buddy. Thanks for coming in. No worries. Enjoy no the football. Worries. Enjoy the football yeah, tonight. Enjoy the rest of the Euros and keep smashing my tunes. Thank you very much. <laughs> we will. We will. <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. According to our next guest, innovation is what makes the modern world. 
Well, Tick, and he should know. He's written a book about it. How Innovation Works is out now and here to explain how lots of people invented the light bulb, but why you only hear about one <laughs> is the spectacular mind of Matt Ridley. Good morning, Matthew. Good morning. I love your the fact that you are as amazed as I am why we're not all more amazed every morning when we wake up, you know, in amongst all these miracles of innovation that we ha- are responsible for. I know. Isn't it extraordinary? You know, we, we, we say, good grief, there's a delay on the road or I can't get a signal on my phone. Well, you know, just pause for a second to think how amazing it is that you and I were talking as if we're next to each other in the same room. It's just completely magical. And, and yet we take these things for granted. We, you know, we bank the innovations, make use of them, complain that they're not doing more and sort of don't really emphasize the importance of having more innovations. You know, there's nobody very interested in, uh, well, there are people, but there aren't enough people interested in making sure innovation happens fast. And the pandemic has rammed that home. You know, the vaccine was a fantastic innovation, but we should have been producing innovative vaccines 10 years before that. So what do you think? Here we sit on the precipice of um, June the 21st and the Prime Minister putting um, back the easing of lockdown or lifting of all restrictions for back for at least four more weeks in England, that is. Now, you wrote an article about the fact that we don't need more lockdowns, we need more vaccines and different vaccines. How do you feel today, this morning, about about the situation? I still think that. I think, uh, you know, we've protected the vulnerable. I don't think we're going to gain much by continuing to lock down the people who are not so vulnerable, which is what we're doing. And I think the damage being done is is tremendous. It's worth remembering that we couldn't have locked down in an epidemic before this. It's only because the middle class can now stay at home and have Amazon bring stuff to their door <laughs> that, that, that we allow lockdowns at all. I'm serious. I think no, you know, I know you it's, are. it's a sort of downside of, um, of, of innovation in a way, is that we've innovated so much that that the posh folk can can stay at home and uh, don't see the problems they're causing by that. Uh, you know, I, I'm all for, we, we needed to do something to head off this dreadful pandemic. Um, but I think we could have been uh, less draconian about it. All right, a couple of things there to talk about. So the first is social media. You say the arc of history always bends towards justice and the positive, And you say that social media will get friendly because it, it has to, because that's human nature, because people who killed other human beings without even a second thought in the 1500s very quickly um, realised that this was not going to make them the most popular person in the village. Yeah, I think this is really important. 500 years ago, you got people to admire you by killing your enemies, you know, by, by being violent violent and nasty. And then gradually we started saying, actually, that's not admirable. And so people started adjusting their behavior. And so that's how we got nicer. So I think the same will happen to social media. You're right. You mentioned Jeff Bezos in the um, last answer before um, the last question as well. So we got to talk about Jeff Bezos. You talk about Amazon a lot in the book. The book, once again, Matt Ridley's How Innovation Works and about how much Amazon innovated, but also was very happy to fail along the way. You can fail a thousand times, a million times, as long as you have the odd win to keep you going is that about it yeah it is about it because bezos says this you've got to keep swinging so swinging and missing so that occasionally you can swing and hit i don't think we've ever had anybody on the show who at least has um been candid enough to share with us the fact they know jeff bezos what's he like oh he's great uh he's got a laugh like a donkey but otherwise he's just fantastic he's he's uh, very open very friendly and talking of innovation, money, 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 um, honey. So what do you think about crypto? Because we, we have this slot on the show every day called the Crypto Coaster. And it's just 
a bit of a laugh uh, because the the insanity of the crypto journey, especially from a share price point of view, and uh, can they do this one day? And will El Salvador let them do this the next day? Uh, is that is that genuine innovation? I suppose it is, isn't it? The thing that really fascinates me about Bitcoin in particular is that we still don't know who invented it. I mean, I spent some time in a previous book trying to work out who Satoshi Nakamoto was. Um, you know, he's got a German IP address. He's got a Japanese name. He uses British spelling. He, he works East Coast hours. But, um, you know, uh, several people have owned up to being him. And quite a lot of people believe one or other of them. But I don't think I do yet. Um, and I think it's brilliant that we've got this huge innovation possibly transforming the world. Uh, which is authorless. And um, back to another one of your books, bridging to, to your current book, The Rational Optimist. You say the fact that we are now sliding or becoming or uh, uh, transmorphing into that generation who thinks that we've had it best and it's all going to be downhill from here. But it's always been thus. Therefore, it never that's never going to be the case. Every generation thinks it stands at a turning point in history. There's a peculiar narcissism about every generation. Yeah. They think they're the ones that stand uh, you know, it's only it, after us it gets worse. I can think of lots of reasons why it might get worse, you know, and I have to fight this tendency myself to sort of moan the trends in the world and talk about them. But if we if we keep on allowing innovation to happen, I see no reason why your grandchildren and mine, if I ever have any, will be uh, fantastically better off. Okay, before you go, Matt, I could talk to you all morning. You're a fascinating chap, and I encourage everybody to visit Matt's website, which has been going for ages. Uh, he's written a load of books. Uh, there's lots of stuff online on YouTube. He's done loads of my favourite podcasts. He's appeared there, and hopefully he'll be writing for years and years to come. Give us your favourite innovation um, thus far, you know, as far as the planet is concerned, and maybe the one you'd like to see happening next or you think we need most. I think these messenger RNA vaccines that, you know, the Moderna and, and Pfizer one uh, are a really interesting glimpse of what's going to happen. Brilliant Hungarian woman, Katalin Karako, developed the idea, got nowhere, failed and again and again, got demoted, lost her grants, then, you know, got in, uh, got in to work with a guy called Drew Weissman and managed to crack the problem. And suddenly it's transforming the pandemic. But the real prize is using that technology against cancer. Um, and I suspect against Alzheimer's too, and possibly against allergies and hay fever and all those kind of things. You know, I, th there's no reason that technology can't be transformative. I may be being too starry-eyed there, but I think there's a lot to come from that. Well, from you, we'll take it, Matt. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much, Chris. Great to talk. Great to talk indeed. Matt Ridley, How Innovation Works. You won't find a more interesting book on your bookshelves this summer. You just won't. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He's perfected the art of podcasting and next year he's returning to his first love of stand-up comedy. Tickets are on sale for his 2022 UK tour Electric. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man whose comedy is so addictive it's imperative you're Ed Gamble aware. It's the brilliant Ed Gamble. Good morning, Ed. Good morning. What an intro. I know, the best intros in the business, Dapper Dave. <laughs> edgamble.co.uk is where you need to go for everything Ed Gamble. That's edgamble.co.uk. So, Ed, this will be your sixth stand-up tour, is that right? Well, that's what they tell me, Chris, but that, that feels like too many tours, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I, sh I shouldn't have done that many. I think probably maybe the first four were like uh, four dates across across the UK, and I called it a tour to sound like a big, impressive boy. Uh, this, Yeah, it's, it's a big one, though, this time. 
Well, you are a big, impressive boy, but you once bigger um, because uh, as well as touring, whilst touring, you lost a load, a shed load of weight. You're now as fit as a fiddler, or at least you were last time we talked. Tell people about that story and where are you now on your fitness journey? I mean, where am I on my fitness journey now? Where are any of us on our fitness journey after three national lockdowns, right? I am, I'm, I'm yo-yoing, Chris. I can't help it. But you um, topped the scales at 19 stone, didn't you, once? Yes. Wow, yes. sir. And then you trained for the London Marathon and you broke four hours, which is is fantastic, my friend. I mean, I've done it. I've done it. Tw- I've done it twice, Chris. I, I hate to be pernickety about that, but um, I, I did it twice. I mean, it's hard. You 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 must have done it. You've done it a few times, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never come close to four, breaking four hours. Vassos sitting right opposite now, me now, champing at the bit to tell you he's broken three hours. Well, that's just that's just rude, Vassos. It might be illegal. Like, Showing off. Showing off is all that is. I'm not I, I very that. much don't like to talk about it, though. <laughs> 2.59.14. I don't like to talk about it. <laughs> so, are you? Still, I mean, presumably you are still keeping fit. It's now part of your life, part of your, your the new you. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I do I do try and keep on top of it because I, I, I'm one of those awful people who enjoys exercise now. And has it made its way into your or to one of your routines or, or a few of them? It must have done because you can't you can't not talk about that. Can oh, you? Yeah. It's so important. Yeah, I've done I've done routines about doing the London Marathon and stuff. And during the London Marathon, I uh, accidentally covered myself in LucasAid Sport and then a bee chased me for about three miles. <laughs> That's um, why you broke four hours. Exactly. It was that. It was that little boost given by the same bee <laughs> screaming while I oh crossed the line. God. Oh my god! Right now, talking of winning, you have, of course, have triumphed um, on Taskmaster, and you claim, don't you? You claim that the BAFTA, which Taskmaster won, should really be down to you because it was for your yes. series. Tell me more about yes. that. Well, I mean, you've you said it all there, Chris. Really, I, I, I won Taskmaster uh, series nine. Um, I was victorious, hence I was the best thing in the series. People are trying to argue that. They say it's not about winning, it's about being funny. But I say no, it's about winning. Uh, and then they won the BAFTA and I wasn't invited to sit at the sit at the table to collect the award or anything like that. All right, well, I mean, it's only fair that we have a right of reply and we just happen to have on the programme the wife of uh, the Taskmaster himself. She always says, no, that's not the, my husband, that's Greg, but I think it's the other way around. <laughs> uh, Rachel Horn, over to you. Hi, Ed. Hi, Rachel, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, we absolutely would have invited you to come and sit at the table, but it was during lockdown, so Alex and I were sat on my sofa and it would not have been COVID compliance for you to join right, us. Right, well, I could have come to stand at the, the window of your house or something. You could have done, and next time we will <laughs> do that <laughs> that would have been a bit weird no I said to Alex last night Ed's on the show tomorrow what can I chat to him about and, and Alex said Ed would credit himself with having won us the BAFTA and I think yes. that's a fair claim well I think therefore you know every 12 months he deserves to have it for a month I'll speak to Alex about that <laughs> deferring don't a deferation here of course you also host the Taskmaster podcast I mean basically I do. basically you are Taskmaster to be honest correct thank you Chris I'm glad someone's finally said it I put a lot of effort into into the Taskmaster universe and I don't get the credit I deserve it's not fair it's entirely not fair no but you are a bit of a, a a podcaster veteran now because you host a couple you appear on many um, and you're still working with James Acaster who might be my favourite no offence Ed and I'm sure you won't mind me saying this he might be my favourite funny person on the planet oh no I mean he's, he's one of mine as well That's I think that's fair he's excellent tell everybody that... off menu because it's such a great great idea go on yeah, so no, we, we uh, it's me and James, uh, your favourite comedian. Uh, we interview um, special guests about their dream, their dream meals. Yes. Basically, we take it, we take them through it course by course, um, and uh, it's it's normally a very lovely chat about food memories. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's very silly. 
Uh, and most of the time it goes very well. We've got one coming up where it didn't quite go to plan, which is an exciting bonus episode, which I, I will reveal is out in a couple of weeks. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but keep an eye out for a, an absolute car crash. Okay, keep an ear out for an absolute car crash. <laughs> don't, tell us, don't tell us who it is, but tell us more about it, because you can give us a little bit more of a hook, line and tease there. Why, why did it not quite go as planned? I'm not sure they'd, the, the guests had been fully briefed on exactly what they were doing, Ooh, or they just decided... Or they, or they decided they wanted to just get on with it and do it themselves and they decided to do their entire menu at the top of the show which sort of leaves us with nowhere to go because we're supposed to do starter and then we chat about stuff and find little sort of callbacks and jokes within that and then move on to the next course this guest just plowed on did the whole menu it was like when when eminem does all the stuff about himself to the other guy in eight mile and uh does all the insults to himself and then like drops a mic and goes deal with that that's essentially what our guest did to us so it's very funny watching us struggle and so was this, it sounds to me like this person put a lot of work into their menu and wanted to they get did. that across. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, that's very true. So they're a, a serious foodie? Yes, a real serious foodie. Male, and or, male or female? I'll say male. I'll, I'll let you know that. And uh, they, were there to, they were there to plug something and they also put a lot of effort into that and they were doing a lot of plugging. <laughs> I can't wait to hear it. Um, <laughs> are they known for their food? No. In, oh, even, even better. I'll tell you off air, Chris. <laughs> okay, so Ed's brand new six tour nationwide. Who knows even beyond the nation uh, starts in February. I've got to say goodbye to you, but thanks for being on the show. You're always welcome here, Ed Gamble. <laughs> Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Uh, for everything Ed Gamble, especially tickets for his brand new tour, Electric, go to edgamble.co.uk. Okay. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, this is the Virgin Radio Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with our pals at Sky. We've heard from three magnificent guests already, but still so much more to come. Former Royal Ballet Principal Dame Darcy Bustle waxes lyrical about the British Ballet Charity Gala. The green finger Jonathan Drury roots around his latest book, Around the World in 80 Plants. And commentating King David Crofty Croft races through the upcoming French Grand Prix preview. All of that and more still to come, so let's get right back to it. Dapper Dave, who's next? There's only one thing that could keep our next guest away from the radio, and that's very strict government guidelines. He's usually virgin on the ridiculous every morning from 6.30. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the artist formerly known as Ginger. It's Chris Evans! Hey! Good morning! <laughs> oh, my goodness, a Dapper Dave intro. My dream has come true. <laughs> you are welcome. Chris, I'm sorry that the show has been loose. Is that, is that mainly mainly down to Vassos, or have I, am I being loose too? I have no idea what Mira was talking about. Oh, right, I, okay. I, I, I think you've been sounding amazing since 6.30 this morning. I've got to tell you, I don't know, I know why people love the show so much. It's so happy, isn't it? It's such a happy... I mean, I've heard it before, but I'm usually on holiday. But to be actually... By the way, there's so many jobs to be done at home in the morning. People say to me, how come you're so upbeat and positive every day? Well, because I don't have to do all this hard labour within <laughs> the home. What have you been doing? What have your jobs been this morning? Well, just, you know, it's all going on. It's all crazy. And um, can, can I explain what happened last night so yeah. people know? Yeah. 
So, um, I mean, actually, to be honest, I do feel a bit rough this morning, um, but it's nothing to do with COVID. It's merely the fact that once this situation revealed itself last night, Tash and I, we just hit our favourite cold shelf in the fridge immediately. So we're a bit fuzzy this morning, but it's nothing to do with coronavirus. Um, so what happened last night was Noah took his, uh, his second weekly lateral flow test. So he takes two weeks because he's a good, very responsible little 12-year-old boy. And the first one came up positive immediately. Uh, well, well, he took one. He took he takes one. And it came up positively, positive immediately. So we were all like, hey, well, okay, well, that's what happened. So we took another one straight away, and that came up, that showed, showed positive. And so Tash, um, she informed his school then we all took a test so the six of us in the house we were all negative and um everything then you know uh, had to kick in we had to figure out what we're going to do next and what happens next is noah goes for a pcr test at 10 o'clock this morning um and if that's negative everything goes back to normal which i didn't really know i didn't know that because the lateral flow tests are you know they're indicative of whether you can be positive or negative but they are known to be fallible um so he goes for a pcr test at 10 o'clock this morning in slough as we all do uh, we're, we're all going to have one because that's the advice for us to all have one and if that turns ne- if that shows negative which it might do it's a slim chance that it will then we're all back to normal um and nose back to school and he's because his year has to be off from stage so they all have to kick in homeschooling if one of the pupils tests negative right uh, sorry positive yeah so so he's back to homeschooling which is which is bizarre um but obviously this is exactly what has to happen and then the reason i took a test is because if i tested positive you lot would have to self-isolate but but, but that's okay because i'm not um thus far so um that's where we are um with the show going forward i can do the show from home next week um the four by four by 48 running challenge well i can only do that now if somebody near marlow can drop a um a treadmill off outside our gates in the next few days which okay. is That'd be nice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, as far as the Diamond Disco is concerned, um, you know, next Saturday, which will be Elton John, a week tomorrow, will be Elton John at the Diamond Disco uh, down in Tune, Glen. That'll be our 10th day of isolation. And it's in a field, it's our 10th day of isolation, and I'm almost, um, you know, I'm almost 100% likely to be um, uninfected or not have um, coronavirus because I've been double boosted. But none of that matters because it's still the 10th day of no. Oh, yeah, no, mate. no, because those, those are the rules. Yeah. Um, so, but we can still have our own Elton John Dining Disco if we can find a spare Elton John to join our bubble. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't think it's going to happen. Because um, there's a spare Elton John. So, no, so that's where we are. But what's bizarre is that Vassus, Rachel, and I, and yourself, we spent most of the last 15 months going to work while most of the country's been locked down. Yeah. Now, all the country's been locked down. But we are. <laughs> it is. It, I know, and you're and you're a very tactile dad. You know, you're always hugging no and whatever else. And you, but you so far, you've you've all you've all shown negative. It's it is bizarre. It is. It is. But I mean, that's the way it is. But this is the story, isn't it, Sam? Because we talked about it last night on the phone, didn't we, off the air? You know, the story is now, and this is where we are with COVID. That um, the the younger age groups are getting it now. They that's where the numbers are. And that's where the, the numbers are coming from. And so, as always, you know, the show, us, we, you know, as human beings and UK citizens are reflecting the story. And it's just, it's another chapter in this bizarre 18 months, which, which will continue to be, you know, an adventure with many twists and turns that we haven't even imagined yet. So, so that's, that's, you're up to date, Sam. That's, I mean, it. that's where we are. I'm fully up to date. <laughs> Chris, is it true that you're going to try and beat Sam's dad's consecutive Curry's record? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, first of all, I don't believe Sam's 
Adam's dad. Because I talked to him last night on the phone, Johnny. But but if he does have this fictitious record that requires breaking, then we will break it. But we'll break it for real. Even Tw- it's <laughs> 20, 21. Three, he did 21 courage in a row. He did 21 takeaways in Marbella. This is about five years ago. Three weeks back to back. And Chris has done 11 so far. So Chris is going to Hang on a second. Sam, Sam, yeah. let's look at the facts here, yeah. right? Yeah. Who has... Curry, 21 nights on the bounce in Marbella. Well, a man who lives on his own in Marbella for three weeks who doesn't like cooking loves curry and the Indian uh, takeaway was three doors down from his place in Spain. Really? So, yeah. What, in sweltering hot Marbella, curry every night? He loved it. Yeah. He'd ring me every day. I've done 14 days now. He was so excited. It was the highlight of his life. He loved it. And he, and, and he didn't stop talking about it last night. Chris is never going to beat me. He'll fold. He'll fold. He won't get to three weeks. Can I just say also, from the judging of the roaring, as always, Rachel's logic was spot on. Yeah. Thank Thank you, Christopher. Yeah. You're very welcome. Yeah. You're very welcome, Rachel. She's, she's been telling Vassos off quite a lot this morning, Chris, to be honest. And right, yeah. keeping him in check, keeping him in check. So, um, any tips for self-isolation? Let us know. Uh, you know where I am. I think we might be doing the show for me next Monday. I don't know about that. But Sam, obviously, super sub on standby. Um, and uh, love you all. All right, but listen, good to hear that you're all feeling... And Noah's feeling okay, is he? No, no, we're all cool. We're all, we're all completely tickety-boo, but the rules are the rules, and that's it. All right, buddy. Lots of love to you all. Speak to you soon. Right, mate. Cheers, Christoph. Ta-da. Bye, mate. Bye. Bye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Whether you have time and no money or money and no time, you need to listen to our next guest. Through her not-for-profit venture fund Acumen, she is quite literally changing the world. Social enterprise is the topic. The guest is philanthropic. So please welcome the wonderful Jacqueline Novogratz. Good morning, Jacqueline. Welcome to the show in person. I'm a little overwhelmed. It's great to be here. Well, I heard you on this sort of global beer month of a podcast, The Tim Ferriss Show, you know, and I heard your accent. And I said, let's try and get her on the show on the line. So her name is Jacqueline Novogratz. You probably won't have heard of her before today. You may well have done, but you probably won't have done. So what she does uh, for a living is an amazing story. Um, We've only got time for the highlights, which is such a shame. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Tell people the story about when you went for the job that you didn't think you wanted. My parents made me go through the interview for banking, which I had no interest in. And um, so therefore I was not prepared. And it was a proper bank, wasn't it? It was a big old thing. It was a big bank, Chase Manhattan Bank. And the guy says, so tell me, Jacqueline, why do you want to be a banker? And I I just said, I don't want to be a banker. My parents are making me do this interview process. That's why I'm here. And he was like, well, that's just too bad because if you got this job, you'd be in 40 countries over the next three years. And of course, all I had ever wanted to do was travel the world. As a, as a young person, and um, so I was like, do you think we could start this interview over? And uh, he said, sure. So that's when I left. I came back in, reintroduced myself, and he asked the question again, why do you want to be a banker? And I said, ever since I was six years old, all I ever want to be is a banker. And that started the conversation. Because you really did want to travel the world, and you really did want to make a difference. From the time I was a, a little, little girl. So uh, let's fast forward to Acumen. What is Acumen? What does it do? Um, how did it come about? Uh, and how can people get involved? So just quickly, after... If, if Wall Street taught me that there's a real power to markets, markets also overlook and exploit the poor too often. Yep. Then I went to Rwanda. I helped a small group of women start the first microfinance bank. I saw that if you build people's capabilities, they could really access and work with the market. But I also saw that top-down charity, government, aid creates dependency and concluded before starting Acumen that the opposite of poverty is not wealth, it's dignity. And that what we needed to do was build systems that allow people to solve their own problems. That's when Acumen was born 20 years ago. It was this idea that we could take charitable funds 
and invest in entrepreneurs that were trying to solve problems of, of poverty like health, education, agriculture, energy, in ways that allowed poor people to access things in ways they valued and could afford. And what was your first big hit? Our first big hit was um, long-lasting malaria bed nets. Uh, 95% of malaria in Africa, 95% of production in Asia. We decided let's find a, a local African entrepreneur, help them build a company that could manufacture these nets and, and provide jobs. Give and us some numbers. Ultimately, they, they hired 10,000 women, mostly. <laughs> you guys are awesome. No, but that is, I mean, you know, just, so... 30 million nets a year. For, Unbelievable. Uh, still doing 30, mil, 30 million 30 nets a year. Million nets and a year. so um, at one point, they were 15% of global production. And you really saw a reduction in malaria rates as a result of this company. And I learned what's possible. Um, that we all we often think, yeah, can you change the world? Yeah, the truth is you can. Tell us about water. If you want to get clean water in slums, you're paying 60 times what middle class people pay for water. On the other hand, leaving it to the politicians and government or the charities to subsidize made it really hard to build a business model that you could rely and count yeah, on. And that's only there as long as that funding continues, isn't uh-huh. it? And then it just disappears the day they So we have out. a lot of work as a world to do to really understand what it takes to bring water. But I think that just as in all of these other areas, to just say it's government's job or it's the private sector's uh, misses the point. Now, from your banking experience um, and your skill and everything you've learned and everything you brought with you, this is a venture fund now. Now, we can, we, can, we can invest in it, can't we? That's the whole point. You can give philanthropy to the patient capital part of what Acumen does. So, so how do we do that? Go to acumen.org. Right. And just make a make a donation. We actually have an office here at Somerset House in London. In the early stages, Chris, traditional investors don't put money into these kinds of ventures. To get a delight to the point where it's actually a company that where it will take more traditional investment takes a lot of time. That's our patient capital. After a while, in this case, a decade, we then went out and and have created four for profit facilities or funds that that investors could actually invest in. But the mainstay of the model for the real disruptive change is the philanthropic side. You can do three things now if you're listening. You can buy um, Manifesto for a Moral Revolution, which is out now, which is uh, Jacqueline's amazing book. Um, you can go to acumen.org and just read all about acumen.org and get as involved as you want to uh, or think about it and then and revisit that. And you can listen to Tim's podcast, Tim Ferriss' podcast, and listen to the whole of Jacqueline's story, uh, to the Tim Ferriss podcast, episode 512. You've done really well. And I don't mean that in a patronising fashion. But, <laughs> but for that little girl, you've got to be happy for her. I, I'm just in awe of all the people I get to work with, honestly, all around the world, that people who, who seemingly have nothing and have more to give to us than too many of us ever understand that we ourselves have. I think you're awesome. I think you're awesome. Thank you for being here. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. When it comes to ballet, our next guest knows it all from plie to Z. The British ballet charity gala stream is on tonight at 7pm. So ladies and gentlemen, sometimes we all need a break from the hustle, but never from the bustle. Please welcome the marvellous Darcy Bustle! Wow, that was brilliant. Thank you. We can record that for you. Can talk I want home. that. I want that, yeah. Do you know what's really funny? When a guest comes into the studio, because Darcy's in the studio with us. And, I'm and, here. And when a guest comes in, their aura transforms the room. You glide into the room. Oh, Hello, that's good very morning. Kind. Oh, very yeah, zen. Yeah, very yeah. zen, Darcy. <laughs> How are you? I'm, I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, a bit, bit tired, but it's lovely to be here and obviously 
talking about our charity gala, Palais Gala. What well, can you tell us? What can you tell us all about it? The British, uh, yes, British Ballet Charity Gala. We did it on the third of June, um, but it goes streaming tonight um, on two platforms uh, across America and the whole of the UK. And it was basically making history. We had eight leading ballet companies from the UK um, all involved, and it was sixty-five dancers. It was incredible. Um, you know, it's just a kickstart to get those dancers back on the stage and get audiences back into theatres, create that awareness, raise some needed funds for these companies because a lot of them haven't performed for over a year and actually probably won't perform until the end of the year to make it really viable um, because the theatres, you've got to be full to be able to make it worth well, This is exactly while. what we were talking about earlier on today because because uh, Vassos is very much into the arts. Rachel and I enjoy them but probably don't uh, attend them as often yes. as we should. And I think I think what the arts world needs is people like Rachel and I who would enjoy it and yeah. normally to go out of our way, to book mm. our tickets and get involved. And yeah, I mean, I suppose it's been one amazing thing about lockdown and, and the pandemic is that the digital stuff that's come out that people now have amazing access to that uh, a lot of people would never dream of watching ballet, possibly. Um, but when it's that easy and it's uh, making a new audience and it's accessible, and I think you just see a, a range of stuff that you would never normally see. You know, it's hard to choose to go and see the right stuff, isn't it? You know, people go, oh, okay, if I've never seen ballet, I'll go and see Nutcracker or, you know, The Sleeping Beauty, the big classics. But the wonderful thing about this gala is it's the diversity of works and it just gives you a great aspect of what, the dance world is actually like in the UK and how talented it is. It's a bit like greatest hits for dance. It is. It's exactly that. There we go. <laughs> you can have that one. Thank you. Thank we, you. We, I said to Vasily, what, what does gala mean? Gala, well, it's it's mainly, um, what do you call it, like, like the diverts, the best parts of... And is it true that you ended on a dance with all the dancers from all of the... Yes. Well, obviously, with all the restrictions and everybody in their bubbles uh, to create a big finale, which was essential uh, to finish, um, we had uh, basically got every company to be part of one piece of choreography but they all filmed it um, in their own studios and then we adapted it and created a quite a cool number together. So it sounds like it would be a good introduction to ballet. Yeah, if you've never seen anything and you've been intrigued by it yeah, and you're going to see a great diversity of works and, and talent as well and yeah, it's supporting that world which the performing arts world you know, is the hardest to survive in a pandemic or you know financial crisis you know the arts is always going to suffer and so if you want to support them please and you want to see something you've never seen before go online Darcy I was introduced to dance very late in life by watching Pineapple Dance Studios. Oh, yeah. And I, lo- I loved it. <laughs> Louis Spence. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. And yeah. then, and now, so quite, are you on Instagram? I am. So you know on Instagram, your faves come up at the bottom. These yes. are videos that you would be interested yeah. in. So my favourites are always dance now. Always. Oh, that's great. And I've never danced in my life. <laughs> um, I, obviously, I would be brilliant if I did, but, I, but, <laughs> but I've never danced in my life. I've never taken an interest particularly, but now I'm obsessed with it. On Instagram, I just watch people dancing all the, and I mm, love it. All but, the TikToks and everything. Yeah, well. yeah, because I do that with my kids all the time. Watch this, watch this, watch yeah, this. Yeah. They're now getting into dance. And Nancy's my youngest daughter. She's seven. She walks around our house on her tiptoes oh, the heaven. entire time. Excellent. She just loves it. And my wife took her to see... Uh, to, um, uh, I never pronounced it right. S- Southwark, 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 Southwark Cathedral, Southwark Cathedral, just down, just oh, yeah. below this building, uh, to watch ballet about two or three weeks ago on a Friday night Fabulous. in the cathedral, and, she, and they loved it. They loved it. So, what would be a good introduction to ballet for me or for Rach if we wanted to take our families? 
Um, well, I mean, there's a Other lot than out there. Tonight, of course. <laughs> Obviously, fun, tonight. Fun, fun, yeah, funny yes. that. Um, yeah, besides the gala. Um, well, I think, you know, there's a triple bills. So they're like three short ballets. It's a perfect introduction. And most of the companies across the UK will. will do triple bills I mean obviously the classics are the first thing that takes your attention but because they're familiar but actually the triple bills gives you that diversity of works and really it's not just about tutus and white tights <laughs> you know their dance is so expressive and the energy and the power of dance is is so connecting it's just an easy and inclusive way of seeing it for that the first great. time sounds great doesn't it yeah we'll there's take- a there's a good well there's a couple of good ones actually there's a whole lot of new works at the, with the royal ballet i had to be a bit biased there because i'm a, a guest coach there <laughs> we'll take we'll take your boys and my girls to watch yeah. here and you never know you never know we may end up with a vassal because vassal's alexander seriously thinks he's got it in him to be a ballet dancer yeah well i sort of do did you do you want to show darcy your move from earlier this morning or <laughs> please was that when i nearly broke my neck you did well, so don't this break is, your neck. so darcy once again roh.org.uk and ballet.org.uk it's tonight it's seven o'clock the british ballet charity gala stream it's 20 pounds and it looks Fab. Eight fabulous companies. You're going to love it. Fantastic. Thanks so much for coming in. Have a lovely weekend. <laughs> Thank you. Enjoy the rain. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He's the big daddy behind some of the biggest and best festivals in the UK, and he's stepped up to the plate to make them happen. From Festival Republic, please welcome the man that's made it his mission to make festivals festival once again. It's Melvin Ben. Good morning, Melvin. Good morning, Chris. Jesus, I, did, I didn't expect that. So, yes. crikey. Well, um, <laughs> thank you, thank you. A thousand thank yous for all we're about to talk to you. So, Melvin, first of all, which festivals are you involved in? First of all, I understand you are at Download ahead of uh, this weekend's events there. But tell us about the other festivals you particularly personally are involved in. Well, Reading and Reading and Leeds festivals, of course. Um, uh, the... Uh, wireless festival which normally is in july in london um but we've moved it to september to uh, make sure it can happen um uh, the uh, wilderness festival um um you know lots of other festivals download of course um uh, lots of things in finsbury park that we always put on you know festivals in ireland electric picnic um Lollapalooza berlin um you know festivals all over the place chris it's um it's what i do it's what you you you, you spend your morning on mornings on the radio I spend my life trying to put festivals together. You do, and you do them very well, uh, Melvin. Thank you. So, the government announcement on Monday. We were all waiting uh, with trepidation. Uh, We were sitting on the edge of our seats in the festival world, and, of course, it wasn't the news we wanted to hear because we were all good to go for the summer, and we are still good to go for the summer. But I explained to the listeners earlier on, the the, uh, festival happening after the 19th of July is contingent on the building of the festival and the costs incurred. We can still do our festivals because it looks like we're pretty nailed on for that to be the terminus date and for all uh, the whole of lockdown to be completely lifted. So you have come up with this genius plan, which basically says if the government really mean that, uh, then can they guarantee us this, which they probably won't have to, to, to pay up on in the end because because if, if the authenticity behind their message is, is as they say it is then we should be good to go but we need that reassurance of covering our cost to get the bills done am i right am i about on the money there you are yeah i mean actually i mean of course we're all instantaneously we're all you know super depressed about the 
announcement on Monday, even yeah. though we knew it was coming. We could see it was coming. But actually, the more that you reflect on it, Chris, the better the decision was. It's tough for those festivals that were going to happen in the next couple of weeks, but certainly for everything that's, you know, happening after the 19th of July and, you know, Carfest North, you know, being among them, Latitude being among them, it's actually a really positive decision because what they will do is really clamp down on closing the spread of the Delta virus and protecting everybody. And it means that we're less likely to be in a stop-start situation for the rest of the summer. It actually puts, for me, it puts greater confidence in the rest of the summer um, than had they said, let's open on the 21st of June. So it, it, in a way, it was it was down in the dumps uh, night on Monday. But in a, in a, it, you know, when you reflect, it was actually the, very much the right thing to do. So I'm actually quite excited about the way that they've done it, which is, you know, which is really good. But what we do, as you say, you, you know, Latitude is on at the same time as Carfest North. And all of our costs are really um, in the next three weeks. Um, and we commit to costs left, right and centre. You do on behalf of the charity. I do on behalf of my company. Um, and if he then changes his mind on the 19th, we're slightly stuck, really. And <laughs> we're not. We're, 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 yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> Mira said I couldn't swear. Yes. So I said I've come up with slightly stuck. Slightly stuck. Um, um, so um, so we, 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 we've come up with, you know, we are slightly stuck, really. So they basically have to underwrite it with insurance. And, yep. and the DCMS are telling us that they are really close to getting the Treasury to sign off. But it is the D. I'm, I don't want to be, you know, I mean, the DCMS are fantastic, but it is like a, a, a kid going to the dad for, for increased pocket money. Yeah. Um, because, and the dad in this instance is the Treasury. And the dad is not really focusing on it enough. And, and, and the Treasury's got to focus on it and got to get it sorted out in the next few days. And I think they will. The DCMS are really playing a blinder for us, and they are telling us that they're very close to getting it. Perfect. Off, okay. Which is fantastic. And if if they can't, they need to put everything into test events status so that we can do what we're doing this weekend at, at download. And Tell us about that. Tell us briefly about the the processes you're going through, you're employing, and all the safety measures you're putting in place. Actually, it's not that significant. If I'm being really honest with you, Chris, it it, it is. You know, the staff go through a, a a lateral flow test every three days because they're working on site and they're all working at social distance but they're all working outdoors so the risk of spread's pretty minimal and then all the all the festival goers have got to do a, a lateral flow test on the morning of the show before they arrive and then if they get a negative test i.e they're allowed to come they travel and and so we're just advising them all to do it all before they travel so that they don't waste a journey and get a, a negative test um and, and then we provide a bit more you know hand sanitization and all that sort of stuff and but beyond that it's not that significant and we did it in Liverpool. It was amazing. Um, you know, 58,000 people came to events in Liverpool, I think. And there was hardly any spread of the virus at all. I mean, no spread of it. There were only just a few cases. It was proven effectively that it was no more dangerous than going to the supermarket. Right. Um, in fact, probably safer. Um, festivals uh, you know, from that point onwards, festivals save lives. That was my mantra from that point onwards, because you were less likely to be ill if you went to a festival, in my view. So that's it. It's not very complicated. It's really simple. You get to gather in a field. You get to stand in the pouring rain. You get to listen to the music <laughs> that you love. Um, and 
You just have to do a lateral flow test on the way. Got it, got it. Because uh, it, the, the truth of the matter is we all had a major wobble on Monday night, but we were reacting. We weren't responding. Well, we weren't reflecting and then responding, and then we all calmed down a bit, and we are all pretty optimistic, like you say. It's fat more than optimistic, aren't we now? We are. We're, we're, we're definite now. We're definite. All right, you are a superstar. Uh, can I thank you for everything you've done on behalf of Carfish? Because I really appreciate it. Have a great festival, Chris. And, Cheers, um, Love the show. Love the show. Thank you, mate. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin radio if you've ever pondered upon a poppy or contemplated a cactus then our next guest is right up your street his latest book around the world in 80 plants is out now so here with some mind-blowing botany please join us as we ask what's the story morning jonathan, jonathan Drury. Drury, <laughs> hello jonathan how are you hello so pleased to be back all Hi. right welcome back to the show lovely book gorgeous illustrations um it's like it's a, it seems as nice to have on your shelf as many of the plants uh within it why did you choose the nettle for england i was sort of poking a bit of fun really you know if you go for a walk in the british countryside it's not like australia where everything's out to get you we have sort of mild peril um so why don't you enlighten people as to your mum's handbag and a magnifying glass which has led to you doing what you do for a living it's a tiny little jeweler's hand um hand magnifying glass and my my mum when she died at a good old age um we looked in her handbag and there it was and she used to carry it everywhere to look at the kind of minute structures of plants and look at the little tiny flowers and things and uh, when we used to go to Kew when we were kids you know in southwest london i remember she used to go around with this magnifying glass and my dad used to tell me stories about the plants and he used to feed me bits of the plants because he thought i'd remember the stories better <laughs> and i remember him feeding me a bit of opium poppy uh, just having me take a lick of it which didn't really do much i think it sort of made my tongue go a little bit numb and uh, but it had more of an effect when i told my uh, teacher at school who first of all didn't believe me and then i think they sent someone round to talk yeah. to my parents yeah. to they called sure the social services as, as they yeah, should have done exactly. but it, you know it worked because you're still talking about that moment right now which is what your dad's exactly. intention you remember things you do you remember sensations of course you do all right so there are the seven wonders of the world and the, you know by the way the jury's out on which those particularly are what what these sort of definitive um and ultimate seven wonders of the world shortlist is uh, you go to 80 countries with 80 plants can you give us your Taj Mahal and your your uh, pyramids and your hanging gardens of Babylon I I really like the nutmeg you know because it's one of those things that's sort of a bit familiar and we often have it on the shelf but it's got this amazing history of um uh, it used to be thought of as an amulet, so people used to carry it around as a kind of lucky talisman, like me with my magnifying glass. Leonardo da Vinci in 1509, he uh, was on his way to a trip, uh, you know, do a trip to Padua or somewhere, and he had his to-do list, and the um, to-do list had things on it like kind of scalpel, remember the glasses, acquire a skull, get some nutmeg, <laughs> and uh, it was a kind of uh, to ward <laughs> off the. Um, uh, the plague, but it was also very much uh, used as an aphrodisiac. So, of course, the price went sky high. And in the 17th and 18th century, it was sort of fantastically expensive. And men used to, it was the kind of Viagra of the day. Men used to sort of travel around with a, a little nutmeg grater. Unbelievable. Um, I love a potato, but I've, I don't think I've knowingly had a Peruvian potato, but you go for a Peruvian potato. Tell us why. The potatoes that we get, we just get a sort of a few varieties, you know, sort of maybe six or seven varieties in the shops if you're lucky. And uh, out in Peru, where potatoes originally came from, um, there's probably a thousand different varieties wow. of potato. 
and they're they're really really different and they're not only the different colors and so on but really different textures and flavors and especially importantly they're sort of resistant to different diseases and so on bananas are another one where you know if you go to south asia to uh, pakistan and india there's literally a thousand varieties of bananas and how many do we have like yeah. one or two if yeah, you're lucky yeah. there are bananas which are sort of bright red and uh, wow. and they they have all sorts of different sort of textures. So yeah. some of them that I've tasted in, in India are like um, like ice cream. Yeah. You know, they're, they're just sort of beautiful melt in your mouth kind of thing. And there are others that um, uh, you know a bit more like plantain that you fry up and so yeah. on. It's just a fantastic variety. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you say that um, because Abdul, who um, is the proprietor and um, uh, the sh- the showrunner, if you like, in showbiz terms, of our local Indian restaurant. He gave us some mango the other day, and I don't know where he gets it from, but it was like mango I had never tasted before. Different texture, such an explosive flavour on the tongue. Uh, but red bananas, this- I love the sound of red bananas. Uh, so <laughs> Vasos wants to know about absinthe. So absinthe appears on page 26, representing which nation? Um, I- I've chosen that for France. Um, uh, and I mean, I, I, in doing the book, I was amazed at how many kind of mind altering plants there are. And, you know, obviously they've evolved to deter things that will eat them. So um, absinthe has a whole lot of chemicals that are insecticides in it. But um, in 1792, a, a chap, would you believe, called Pierre Ordinaire, <laughs> that name, he invented this sort of patent, patent medicine um, that was based on uh, basically wormwood, which is the absinthe plant and uh, a whole load of alcohol. And then it was sort of perfected by Henri Pernault, you know, Pernault of, 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 that we know now. Because it became very expensive, people started making all sorts of concoctions and things. Actual real absinthe doesn't contain enough of these chemicals to, to cause you to hallucinate or anything else. It's the alcohol that has the effect. But um, even today, the sort of uh, the absinthe companies kind of market the thing with this sort of edge of danger and, and so on. But, but all the sort of bad, bad boys, it was mostly boys, of um, French literature, Rambo and Baudelaire and all that, they, they all loved it. Uh, but it was illegal for a while, wasn't it? And then you could suddenly get it, so we all did. And you say it's not, it's not hallucinogenic, and that it seemed pretty... It was on its way, from my experience. <laughs> different um, you know, regimes, different laws have sort of prevented the... Uh, the, the actual hallucinogenic stuff right. that you sometimes get, okay. you know, f- from being in there. But if you if you make absinthe the traditional way, it right. actually right. Uh, is strangely non uh, non hallucinogenic. Okay. So nutmeg, yes. nutmeg is hallucinogenic and is banned in the American prison system because Malcolm X tried to get a sort of high on it when he was <laughs> when he was in jail. See this lovely little innocent looking book that will that would fit 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 and sit happily on any great granny shelf around the world in eighty plants. It's just it's just just to cover for getting off your nuts, isn't it? Oh, you're not, mate. There is quite a lot of sex, <laughs> drugs and rock and roll in there. Jonathan, thanks so much for being on the show. Anything you'd like to say before you go? I love you all. Just I'd give you a great big, big virtual, virtual COVID-friendly nice hug. guy, isn't he? Right, Around the World and 80 Plants, it's out now, Jonathan Drury. And, and there's more to it than meets the eye. You cannot judge a book by the cover, particularly this one. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. With a young pretender for stepping on his toes, Lewis Hamilton needs to pull something out the bag this weekend. That's right, the French Grand Prix is live and exclusive on Sky Sports F1 this Sunday. So, ladies and gentlemen, please join us in saying je t'aime to the very bien. Crofty! All right, Monsieur Crofty. Uh, oh, bonjour, 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 my friend. Mange tu, mange tu, bonnet de douche from London. How are you, my friend? 
I'm very good, my friend. Very good. The sun is out. Uh, I'm at the uh, Paul Ricard at the track already. Looking forward to Verstappen versus Hamilton Part 7 I know. for this weekend. It's what so good. And is. who would have, A, guessed the podium, um, the podium finishing or finishers mm. or winners um, in the last Grand Prix over there in Baku and Azerbaijan? But who also um, would have guessed that almost having been gifted a freebie of 25 points, um, at, you know, at almost certainly... Um, second place that Lewis Hamilton yeah. would forget how to drive a Formula One car. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the magic button uh, where he lost all his magic yeah. and locked up at the restart. And I don't know if you understand what the magic button does. I do. I heard, you talking about on, I heard you talking about it on the telly. Excellent. Yes, transfers all the brake bias towards the front. So when he put his brakes on, he went into turn one with all the force of uh, Donkey Kong at a buy one, get one free banana sale. I'll carry on the nubbin theme for I you this morning that. on that I one. I love that. Uh, what Lewis Hamilton needs, Chris, is yep. a track where he's led 105 of the last 106 laps at. And that's what he's got this weekend. Um, Mercedes have been dominant here at France in the last uh, couple of races. Max Verstappen's never finished in the top four here, never qualified in the top three, but that was the same for Monaco. And it was the same uh, for Baku and still is the same for Baku because, of course, he crashed as well. Not his fault. Tire gates again. Yeah, what's going on with the tyres? Right, we never tire of talking about tyres, but there were two big failures in Baku. And there's a big um, technical document being sent out by the FA to the teams this week because the the FIA and Pirelli, the tyre supplier, feel the teams are getting a bit sneaky with tyres. There are certain starting pressures and certain temperatures that they have to adhere to, but they take the blankets off a bit too early Mm. to get the temperatures down and the pressures down because that's good for contact patch on the ground, which means you can corner a lot faster. But it doesn't help the tyres in terms of their, their, their structure. That's why we had the, uh, the failures, I think, in Baku, because the structure of the tyre was compromised. So the technical director has gone out and the FIA is saying, look, if we see you getting sneaky with tyres, we're going to start reporting you to the stewards. And that might have a massive implication, uh, depending on who's being more sneaky or not, with the tyres uh, as it stands. Yeah, no, I know it is a bit nerdy for people who don't follow Formula One, but it was so dramatic, um, the tyre situation in Azerbaijan a couple of weeks ago. It seems like ages ago because so much has happened in between from a sport point of view. We've had the sunshine as well. The summer sort of moved in for a while here. Mm. Uh, we've had the Euros kicking off. Um, we all, we're all forgetting, maybe people are forgetting, about Sebastian Vettel being back on the podium. Uh, do you know what? That was, without doubt, the happiest thing for me, uh, watching and commentating on Baku, to see Sebastian Vettel... Um, lead a race for the first time as an Aston Martin driver, finish on the podium for the first time as an Aston Martin driver, and I suppose stick a couple of uh, digits up to the critics who say Sebastian Vettel is a busted flush and he can't do it anymore. I I thought his drive in Monaco was superb. His drive in Baku was equally as good. And yeah, bring back the crazy frog, um, his (laughs) celebratory uh, (laughs) comments. I I I love it when Seb gets on the podium. He is so full of smiles. And And I'm really chuffed for an Aston Martin team as well that have not had it easy so far this season, but to rebound in the way they did, especially after Lance Stroll's crash, that was great for them, wasn't it? All right, it? and yeah, it was. And also, if they do red flag races in the future, if a, a flag, sorry, a race is red flag with two or three laps to go, mm. I think there should be a minimum of five laps because it was so exciting, wasn't it? It was worth <laughs> the 35 or 40 minute wait just for those couple of laps, but yeah. you just wanted a bit more, didn't you? Well, absolutely. Fernando Alonso made up four places in that two lap uh, period as well, but 
it would have been good. Uh, what we got was a foretaste of the sprint qualifying yeah. that we're going to get at Silverstone as well, mm-hmm. uh, with drivers giving it absolutely everything. And I'm, I'm so glad they did restart that race because it gave us even more drama. Will we get that same drama this weekend? Not quite sure. There's a lot of runoff areas. I don't think we'll get many safety cars uh, here at Paul Ricard. It's a very good test track. It's not a great racetrack. But it is a very good benchmark to see, with Mercedes dominating in the way they have over the last couple of years, just how close Red Bull are to Mercedes. It is going to be drama all the way. Spare a thought, though, Chris, this weekend for Paul DeResta. Uh, bless his little heart. He is going to have to watch England-Scotland on Friday night as the lone Scotsman amongst 60-plus Englishmen in the uh, in the restaurant that we booked out to watch the football. He, he's going to have a torrid time on Friday night and might be glad to get to escape with his pride and dignity intact. I'm not sure it's going to happen. <laughs> well, we'll see, won't we? Um, talking of your co-commentators, your co-collaborators, your co-conspirators, will Martin Brundle be making a return from his root canal treatment? <laughs> Martin Brundle. Yes, the man who... Uh, who says that, what, what's the phrase? Uh, like going for a root canal uh, treatment first thing on a wet Monday morning. Uh, one of his phrases, he is back this weekend and uh, back with a bang as well. We missed him in Baku, but uh, it's around about his birthday time, Baku, and he wanted to celebrate at home. Why not? I should be celebrating my birthday here in France on Saturday. Okay, well, um, bon anniversaire. I, I don't get the chance to do it at home. Thank you very much. Dare indeed, we ask sir. how old um, you might be this, this, this time around? I'm, I'm 51. 51. Really? I'm, I would have said older, wouldn't you, Bass? I would have said older. Yeah. <laughs> I would have said older. Mid, mid to late. The old, power, yeah. the, yeah. the old power to weight ratio yeah. needs a bit of improvement, pal. Let me tell you. Yeah. It does that. I need to pound a few laps. Yeah. You know what? I'm entering the best phase of my life. That's All right. The way I well, look at as it. long as you think that. Okay. His cornering isn't what it used to be. All right, but he's live. Sky Sports, Sky F1. Crofty and the gang. In very French France this weekend, it's only live once on Sky Sports, Sky F1. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.